0: It's time for love talk with the loveladies Kathy, Carrie and Marley.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You have found the love, ladies, right here on today's Christian Talk, The Bridge, Austin, where we are building bridges of love and leadership, 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. I am Coach Carrie Brinkater, and again, you have found Love Talk. Welcome to your Saturday morning, and I'm here in studio with my beautiful co host. And friends, Kathy
0: Enderbrock and Marlene McMichael. Hello, ladies. Good morning. Hi, Coach Carrie. It's great to be with you. I just want to warn all of our listeners out there this morning that I am drinking water and not coffee. (laughs) So, um, Marlene, you may need to carry this
2: program. I'm not sure it's been busy I, I would, I will say that and uh, so and this weekend I also have a family reunion so it will be busy
0: yeah it is a busy time friends I tell you it's Saturday morning and if you have a cup of coffee in your hand would you take a couple drinks for me <laughs> just make me feel good I, but I'm doing this for you because my voice coach tells me that my voice is better with water rather than coffee so this is all for you and um, we're just excited about this program I tell you now now Marlene in all seriousness we have had some incredible guests mm-hmm. on Love Talk through mm-hmm. the month of May and now heading now into June fully into June and you have arranged for an incredible guest to be in studio with us today we're going to be discussing some hard stuff. We talked about shame and shedding the stigma of shame in in May and we are going to, we have a guest in studio today who has written an incredible book where God yes. has taken her out mm-hmm. of a horrific childhood and redeemed every hard thing that she has been through and is now using her to reach into the lives of others and um, i'm just so excited uh, for this program and what she's going to be sharing with us today
2: amen i am too and i'm going to turn it back to carrie and let you read the verses for today because they to me are significant and they're uh, also i think they're on your website Yeah,
1: yeah so you know marlene it's so it's so interesting um Back in the day, we used to do a key verse, and then as I started writing programs, I was like, I can't just have one verse, and so we started doing key verses, <laughs> and um, you have just jumped right on that train, and I, and I love it. Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Oh, friends that again? He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And then Isaiah 61, 7, just a few verses later. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy. Will be yours. That keyword, joy. Now, those are two pretty
0: powerful Holy key cow. verses, yeah. you know. And I tell you, Miss Evelyn has always done this. She has always anchored the program with scripture. Mm-hmm. And friends, that's what we need to be doing with our lives. We need to be uh, anchoring each day with scripture, anchoring our lives with scripture. I, you know, I love this this verse that says the unfolding of God's word gives light. And friends, if you're walking in a a dark place if you need direction if you need wisdom if you need encouragement and love I just encourage you to go open God's word mm-hmm. get into his scripture and find your anchor and find your light there mm-hmm. now I do want to put a
1: disclaimer on the program today as well you know friends mamas daddies if you're in the car with young children today you know this program it, not that there's um, going to be any harsh words but this is difficult material Um our, our guest today um, has been through a lot, and we're going to be talking about uh, sex trafficking. We're going to be talking about a lot of issues that, um, you know, you might have to explain. And so just there's just a, a disclaimer on the program today, uh, but what a beautiful story of God's grace and God's love um, for our guest today. Well
0: yeah, Marlene, I'm ready. I'm ready <laughs> to do this.
2: Okay. I am very excited to introduce to you to Lisa Michelle. I actually met her through my daughter. My daughter's a voracious reader and she if, if she's sitting still for two seconds she's reading. Mm-hmm. And so she was reading this book and you'll have to see the cover. It's it's pink and black and white and um it's called Unlikely Warrior. And it is a story of um both Compelling and horrific childhood, but also extreme redemption. And that's the, that was the key to me, was the redemptive nature of Lisa's life and what she's taken out of tra- tragedy and turned into victory. And she is, it's an overcomer story that has led her to a life dedicated to transformative ministry. And I'm going to let Lisa tell you her background and her story, but I want to tell you who Lisa is today. She's a social entrepreneur, the CEO of Lily and Company, whose curated gifts are handcrafted by survivors of sexual abuse that provide funding to safe homes globally. She is also CEO founder of Untethered Ministries, a nonprofit guiding women and children into inner healing from being sexually exploited or trafficked. NSA GIRLS, which stands for No Strings Attached, is an intervention and advocacy program within Untethered Ministries providing aftercare for the exploited. And I hope, Lisa, you talk about what your plans are for the future to take care of some of these uh, young women and young boys, I guess. Yeah. Her work includes legislation, advocacy, education on trafficking-related subjects to law enforcement and community groups, as well as leadership in various various advisory boards and coalitions. She works closely with the governor's office here in Texas as a social justice advocate and serves on the Survivors Advisory Board with the Texas Association Against Sexual Assault, initiated by the governor's sex trafficking team. Along with law enforcement and global agencies partnering in the fight against child uh, sexual exploitation, she has legislated for bills at the Capitol in Austin. Lisa is also an ambassador and leading voice for the Can You See Me campaign championed by A21, a global awareness organization to end sex trafficking. Lisa's been happily married for 25 years and is the mom of two children. She resides in the hill country outside San Antonio. And uh, as I said, this is an autobiographical book, Unlikely Warrior. And I hope that you enjoy the program as much as I did the very first time I met Lisa. She's (laughs) quite a dynamo. So welcome, Lisa. Oh,
0: my
3: goodness. Thank you for having me here. It is such an honor, you guys. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Well, thank you so much for making time uh, for us and for getting in and being willing to talk about your story and what God has done with your story and how you're stepping forward in that. Um, Now, Lisa, for our listeners who have not read your book, can you share with us, us why you are so motivated to be a voice against sexual exploitation, and human trafficking.
3: Yeah. So when Marlene was just reading who I am right now,
0: mm-hmm. who I
3: am today, I actually just feel this sense of pride inside of myself because I never saw myself being that woman that you just described. That's why it's called Unlikely Warrior, my book, because I had no idea that the woman that I am today was inside of me mm-hmm. and that I could be a voice. For the voiceless and could be there so i wrote that book for women and for men that have been sexually abused exploited or trafficked and i know what it's like to not have your voice at all and to not be able to articulate or to speak your truth at all Mm -hmm. and to spend your whole life like i literally spent most of my life not talking about what happened to me living in shame and then going through the process of healing and finding out who I am today. So I know what it's like to not know who you are and not know your real identity and your real identity in Christ. So that's what I wrote that book for.
2: Could you tell us a little bit about your childhood or as much as you'd like to share so that people can get an idea what home was like for you growing up?
3: Yeah. Well, my dad was a part of the Hells Angels and he owned a bar. He had his own bar. And the Hells Angels would come there all the time. So I grew up doing my homework on the Pac-Man machines, sleeping underneath mm-hmm. of those and underneath the bar stools and um, taking naps in the bar, being around drunkenness and filthiness and just um not an environment that a little girl should live in. You know, I didn't get to dress up and play with Barbies and do things that most little girls get to do. So I had to grow up really quickly. But my dad was very abusive. Uh He... Sexually abused me since I, at the time I was a little girl. My first memory was four. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then the last time that it happened was 14, and that's in my book, The Power of the Word No. Um, that's when I found my voice truly for the first time saying no and saying this is my body, this is my choice, you can't touch me anymore. And I don't know where I got that power -hmm. To do that, you know, I didn't know boundaries. I didn't know how, but I had this rage that just started to build up in me. So, you know, having a father that's sexually abusing you on a continuous basis in your own home left me vulnerable to a man who lived across the street from us. This man was a businessman, he ran our local mortuary, the funeral home. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, everybody trusted him. Wouldn't you trust somebody with your loved one after their passed on, you know. Mm. And he would ask my mom, my mom was going through a divorce, and um at seven years old, he started to sexually exploit me within that funeral home.
0: Within yeah. the funeral well, you're saying with the clients of that
3: funeral home? He had an apartment on top of that mortuary that him and his wife lived in. And he had a a studio up there he had a dark room and um he made all his videos all his pictures and everything upstairs in that room um the abuse happened in the mortuary inside the mortuary up in that apartment um and if anybody's listening and does have children around please don't let them listen to this part um he would drug his wife and she was actually there oh my during this horrific abuse and um it's really horrific. I just won't even say it. But she mm-hmm. was actually there, and she didn't know she was there. She was unconscious all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and this man brought little girls and little boys into that funeral home on a regular basis and sexually exploited them through child pornography, which we call child sexual abuse material today, CSAM, instead of child pornography. And, um, and that's through videos and through pictures. And uh, he was just obsessed with children. And everybody thought he was just, you know, a nice guy that was babysitting and helping out the kids. I would stay there for two or three nights at a time. And I didn't tell my mom about this until a couple years ago, you guys. Oh, wow. And I actually didn't want to tell her. She's in her 80s, and I just thought she doesn't need to know this. But my life became Mm -hmm. so public that I decided I need to let her know. So she started to sift through pictures, old pictures from my childhood, and found me in pictures with him in places, that, like at the Rose Bowl in L.A., in Los oh. Angeles. And she's like, I never, ever knew he even took you out of that home either. So we don't even know the extent of my story. We're starting to uncover more. Some of the children that were in that home with me have come forward as well recently, and I'm thinking about actually going back to my hometown and maybe going to the news and sharing some of the stories so more, more adults can um self-identify because this is something that's really hard to speak about and to share. So I want to see more victims come forward as well and be empowered and be who they were meant to be.
0: I mean, I think there are those things that you have to bring to the light in order to get healing and, um, Uh, That is just, that's so brave and so incredible. So child sexual abuse material, I love that because I think in today's society we think, oh, pornography, and we almost uh, laugh about it. We don't even take it seriously, and it's so rampant. But I love that child sexual abuse material makes it very, very clear. This is not anything to take lightly. That's right. To turn a blind eye to, this is child abuse I think the thing that strikes me here Lisa that
1: just rocks me to my core is you did not have a safe place to go no home wasn't safe across the street wasn't safe I'm sure that maybe a break with a teacher at school might have felt safe right right it would have oh gosh you know um, friends, when we return to Love Talk, we'll obviously have more with Lisa Michelle, the author of Unlikely Warrior, as she tells us her story and how her story has just um, propelled her life into ways to help other victims. Friends. Um, she is a CEO. She's a founder of several ministries, and we will begin to tell you about those when we return to Love Talk with Lisa Michelle, the author of Unlikely Warrior, right after this.
0: And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk here on today's Christian Talk, The Bridge 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. I'm Kathy Indebrock in studio with the beautiful Coach Carrie Brinkater and the marvelous Marlene McMichael. <laughs> and we have with us incredible special guest, Lisa Michelle, author of Unlikely Warriors. Such an incredible story, friends. If you missed our first segment, you're going to want to go to our archives at Love Talk Network com And get that full program or you can look Tuesday in our podcast. This program will drop and you'll be able to uh, hear it from start to finish. Do want to just add in this reminder for those who missed our first segment that we um, are talking about Lisa's incredible journey. Uh, from a place of very severe uh, abuse to just incredible redemption. And so this might be a little bit heavy for some of our our, our younger kiddos there. Uh, we are watching our words, but uh, moms and dads, this might lead to some conversations that you might not be ready to have. So if you have any younger ones, maybe keep them uh, busy in another room with something else uh, for the remainder of the program. Well, um, so, Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Marlene, I know that you had read in Lisa's book something about, because you keep mentioning it to me, and I'm excited to hear all about this, the power of no. What, what, is, what is that all about, Marlene?
2: Well, Lisa mentioned in the first segment that there was a point when she was 14 where her dad approached her, and she said, no, not mm-hmm. not anymore and um so that's that's the power of no she found her voice but one of the things she says in her book just before that is that In sharing her story, and and that's, listeners, you need to know that, particularly those listeners that have had abuse in Mm -hmm. their life. They need to, because we we tend to want to cover it up and hide it. Mm -hmm. But the the key to uh, healing, I think, begins with finding your voice and sharing. Mm -hmm. And so Lisa says that in sharing her story, she found a freedom. And that uh, she no longer has fear. Fear cannot live in the same room with freedom. She she writes they cannot coexist. Once you taste freedom, freedom <laughs> or fear has to uh, vacate the property. So once you taste freedom, fear has to vacate. And I love that because it is so powerful. It is it is truly I believe this girl's fearless. This is what <laughs> gives gives Lisa the power and the strength that she has to do what she does. And so, Lisa, tell us. You said no. So tell us about the transition into your teen years and in adulthood and what what all happened there.
3: Yeah. You know, my mom had put me on a Greyhound bus because my behavior was out of control. She had no idea what to do with me. And this is from all of that abuse leading up to that moment. And I didn't know what was happening to me because I was being drugged. Mm. So... When you see a child acting out and you see a child that has behavioral issues, the behavior is the language of an unmet need. I've learned Mm -hmm. that today. It's so important. When you see children acting out, having tantrums, wanting to drink and do drugs, there's an unmet need inside of that child. See, my mom didn't know that then, though. And my mom sent me on a Greyhound and sent me right back to my abuser. And I hadn't been around him for many years. So when I went back, I had that freedom of not being abused by him for a long time. And that night when he came into my room at 2 o'clock in the morning and he sat by my bedside and started to molest me, Mm -hmm. I felt something rise up in me for the very first time. And I didn't know what it was. And I could just feel fear rising up but I knew I had to say no to my father. I knew I had to tell him no and I thought I might get killed tonight. I might not make it out of Mm -hmm. this and so I found my inner warrior, my inner voice and it was the first time that I can identify with standing up to my abuser and telling him no and that is a complete sentence. You don't have to say anything else and in that moment he sat there in silence. I had never done that before and so by God's grace, he got up and he walked out of that room. Unfortunately, as you'll read in the book, he walked down the hallway to my stepsister's room. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember finding my freedom that night, and that was the very first time. And I did say something else to him when I was 18, and that was my second time finding my voice with him. But going through this type of abuse and not having a voice, not understanding who I was or anything like that. I turned to drugs and alcohol on my own. I ended up hanging out on the streets of San Francisco. Um, We would hang out in this back alley and there was a back door to a strip club and a back door to a heavy metal club. You know, I'm 16, 17 Mm -hmm. hanging out there. One night, a guy comes out from the heavy metal club and offers me a fake ID and says, "Hey, you girls should be hanging out here with all these older guys." So we we're like, "Sure." Now I have to tell you that if somebody came up to me and offered me to go into the strip club, I would have walked in there. It wouldn't even—it would have been an easy yes for me. Um, but for some reason, God had me go in the heavy metal door. Um, I ended up meeting my first boyfriend there, and um, he's the lead singer of a really popular 80s band. I went on the road with them for about a year, then met the drummer of another even more popular 80s band and was out on the road with them for about four and a half years. During this time, I became really addicted to drugs. I was running from my past, running from my entire Mm -hmm. childhood, but I had no idea that I was running and that I was empty, and um, I had no idea why I was doing that. But one night I had a close call with an OD, and... um, the band just said, you need help. You need to go back home. You need to get into rehab. So that's what I did. I moved back to California. And that's where I'm from, from San Francisco, California, the Bay Area. And I got—I went to AA. My mom, as a matter of fact, went to my first AA meeting mm-hmm. with me. And I had support. And I was really serious about finding my sobriety and finding out how I didn't have to live with drugs and alcohol. And, and I didn't know it was a coping mechanism at the time in my life. Right? How old were you, Lisa? Um i was twenty twenty one no wait, hold on that's a good question <laughs> twenty four i think okay. yeah yeah okay, yeah, so um, I get into rehab it's very short lived though mm mm-hmm. Um, I end up getting invited into the nightclub scene with the underground club scene and the rave scenes in San Francisco. I meet the owner of this, you know, socialite that owns one of the best clubs in San Francisco, all the restaurants and everything. And I end up hanging out with him for like seven, eight years and diving deeper into my addictions. But Mm -hmm. what happened was I, I didn't know what soul searching was. But all I knew was I started to feel really empty inside and really hopeless, and I felt used. And I thought, I started to question my life, and I started to say there has to be more to life than drugs and alcohol and men and sex. Like, there's got to be more. Like, I started going, what is going on? I hate my life, right? And so I started working as an esthetician in the salon, and my sister did nails. And it was a simple church invite to a girl who had never been to church and this guy reached out to me that my sister was doing nails on and he just said hey Lisa I'd like to invite you to church this Sunday I thought me church why would you invite a girl like me to church nobody had invited me to church or I'd never heard about God before and I was dumbfounded by his invite and he's just so matter of fact about it and he says you know what you're right you're probably one of the biggest sinners I've ever met in my life and you're probably going to catch on fire this Sunday when you walk through those doors. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so why do I want to go to church? <laughs> why would I want to do that? And he's like, because there's really hot guys, Lisa. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> God knew how to get this girl to go to church. I literally showed up to church that Sunday for all the wrong reasons, you guys. Mm. That's okay. Yeah. he walked through. He knew how to get Uh me there though, right? And then every single Sunday, I started to hear this message about a father's love, a daddy's love that I had never experienced here on this earth. I didn't know what a daddy looked like or acted like Mm -hmm. a daddy's embrace. I didn't ever get to experience what fatherhood is to a daughter. The first time I ever experienced it is watching my own husband be that for my daughter. And Mm -hmm. I had never seen that or experienced that before, you guys. Mm -hmm. So when Mm -hmm. I heard about this, I gave my life to the Lord, and it was truly a miracle in my life, about 26 years old.
2: Yeah. Well, I want to emphasize that that with Lisa's constant abuse in childhood, she literally thought that was normal. That was it. That's Mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. And so to not have a father's love is... You're talking about a, an emptiness or a gap that's mm-hmm. that 's huge, yeah so um, so you came to the Lord yeah. and uh, so what was your mom 's reaction to that? Well, my mom was the very first one actually
3: to come to the Lord, so what happened was mm-hmm. she came to the Lord, they had an altar call at she was back east visiting family, had an altar call her uncle i mean her brother um my uncle. Uh, nudged her and said, you need to go down there. <laughs> and she felt the Holy Spirit saying, I do. Yes. So she gave her life to the Lord and she came back to California and she would, she was really sneaky. She would take her <laughs> Bible and she would open it up and lay it out on the kitchen table. So when I would come back from my nightclubbing nights, there that Bible was waiting for me. Wow! And it was alive and it, was, it spoke to me. And I sat down and I read it and I was so curious. And so when this invite, came to me at the salon I already had a little bit of inkling like just because my mom had just given Mm -hmm. her life to the Lord and I thought oh my goodness yeah so that's why I said yes too
0: yeah that is incredible so how many times did it take you going to church before you just go yes I want This.
3: Yeah, it was a good year. And I will tell you that I was not a good girl. I dated every guy in that church, (laughs) including the worship leader. Uh, I was not good. And it was about a year later that finally, after hearing that message over and over and over again, God got a hold of me and I ended up completely doing a 180. And God actually showed me that it was time for me to detox off of men. Men. And, and sex and always longing for somebody else to meet your needs mm-hmm. was what I needed to be weaned off of and I needed to have God as my number one in my life. And it wasn't until I had that relationship with him that I spent with him daily, being in Bible study, being immersed in worship music and changing my identity and who I was and finding out who Lisa Really was, mm-hmm. and not depending on anything else that this world can offer you, because I, I I know now there's no drink, there's no drug, there's no man, there's no affair, there's nothing out there that can ever satisfy you
2: like mm-hmm. the love of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, Ms. Evelyn would
0: always say only God can fill your love bucket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that <she> was right. <laughs> so, very true. So you had tremendous scars through all that you'd been through. I mean, yeah. t- I'm talking about emotional scars and I I know physical as well based on your book. Did that all just drop away? No. How what what what, what was the thing you had to mm-hmm. focus on or do in order for God to heal the the little child in you. Mm-hmm.
3: So what happened was I took that year off of dating and I met my husband in that same church. He had seen me in a play and he said, I need to meet her. And so we ended up meeting and we got married very quickly afterwards. And it wasn't until I got married that all my trauma surfaced here. He mm-hmm. thought he met this beautiful Christian woman. We're both new believers mm-hmm. And he was shocked because all of a sudden I started to have night terrors and I started to have demonic activity that was happening. All these crazy things were happening to me. My past was starting to haunt me Mm. and my husband didn't know what to do with it. He had no idea. He would call 911 because he had no idea what to do with me. I would have these emotional outbursts and I think that was my biggest, my biggest struggle was emotional healing for sure. Um, So there was a pastor in town that took me under his wing that showed up at our apartment at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he said, stop calling 911. Call me. (laughs) I love that. I know. And he showed up for so long. And he was such a saint and such a servant to both of us. And he walked us through that really trying time. Then I got into therapy. I got diagnosed with bipolar with um, complex PTSD, Mm -hmm. and with clinical depression. I was clinically depressed. I would literally stare at the wall for hours. I self-harmed as a 28-year-old, brand-new married woman, as a Christian, tormented by my past.
2: Everything Mm -hmm.
3: had surfaced, and I didn't know what to do with it. And this time, I'm not on drugs I'm not on alcohol. I have no coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So it was very difficult for me. And um, if it weren't for the therapist that was highly trained in this, and back in his day, nobody knew how to do what he was doing. And it's very popular now today, like EMDR, Mm -hmm. um, all of the modalities that are out there for healing. He was working with me on and helping to rewire my brain and re get, you know, kind of like almost like you're filtering out the trauma. So it's the only reason I can speak about. What happened to me and and sit here and share the hardest parts of my story and the most traumatizing things out loud because I couldn't even speak them before if I spoke them, I would be frightened to even bring it up
0: yeah I, I'd like to ask you about this uh, you know in our two part series on shame, um, we talked about briefly toxic shame, and you, in your book, talk about the difficulties of toxic shame. Can you tell us what that is and how it plays into the life of a victim of sexual abuse? Yeah, when
3: you're, you are being assaulted over and over and over again and being told that you're worth nothing, that don't speak, don't share, you know, and that's what my dad did all the time. So I lost, I just knew I I couldn't speak up you know, at all. So what happens is you take on all of that abuse and you internalize it. And when you do find your voice, what I found is that when you actually, every time that you share what happened to you and you don't have to share it in great detail, but every time that you do, you're releasing the toxic shame that is within you that the perpetrator used against you Mm -hmm. and you're releasing it and bringing it back to the perpetrator. So you're, you're, releasing all of that every Mm -hmm. time that you share your truth so it's so important that we voice what happened to us because Mm -hmm. that's how that inner shame that toxic shame sits within us because we are constantly recycling the memories the things that were told to us that were all lies and then when we verbalize it that's the very first step to healing Mm -hmm. is sharing your story but you want to make sure that you're sharing it with somebody who's safe Mm -hmm. somebody that you trust Completely, or a therapist that is is ready to help you walk through that. We we actually did talk about that in our series,
1: Lisa. That you know a person has to earn the right to walk in your pain right. with you, um, and um, so that's super important. And we talked about how a lot of times it's it's going to need to be a therapist. Um, I'm very intrigued. You know, you were you were really entrenched in a lifestyle of addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you found the church. Were you still, well, you got invited to church, right? And, um, were you still involved in that lifestyle and then dragging yourself to church on Sunday mornings for a while? And, and how did you eventually leave the addiction lifestyle?
3: Okay. I love this part of my testimony because it's such a miracle. So I fought so hard for so long for my sobriety and to try and be like, Normal, so to speak, right? <laughs> right. And then when I gave my life to the Lord, the Lord supernaturally took away every desire mm. for me to want drugs or alcohol. Wow. Even to the point where today, even if a doctor prescribes me a medicine, I don't even want to take it. I don't mm-hmm. want anything foreign in my body anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to be present. And I want to be, and it's just beautiful. So I got super naturally radically delivered from drugs and alcohol and I know that can be really hard to hear if you're in AA if you're struggling every day because Mm -hmm. I know what that feels like I've been on both sides of this so I
0: truly believe that God gave me a gift that day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know I think Mm -hmm. that God is going to just as he works his redemptive work he will deliver us from those things that we need to be delivered from, but those things that are going to drive us into relationship with Him, we're going to have to work through and do the hard work of that. Mm, and I, yeah. you know, I believe mm-hmm. that there are people who will go to AA for the rest of their lives because right. they still struggle with that addiction, but God will keep their face pressed against His, His throne room, you know, Mm -hmm. because they know that they have to rely on him to maintain their sobriety. So, you know, there was so much that God didn't deliver you from that. He said, Mm -hmm. Lisa, Michelle, we're going to work together, baby, and we're going to we're going to get healing in this and then continue on with with redemption. And I just love everything. I mean, to me, it just seems like you are a superhero to go from the places that you have Mm -hmm. been to come out so strong, and um, for God to be doing so much in your life, are you are you the exception, or are there is there hope for other victims of this kind of abuse?
3: Mm-hmm. There absolutely is hope for other victims, and that's why I do what I do today because I I know what it's like to be in the pit and to have self hatred and to have no hope whatsoever. I know what it's like to wake up every single day with no purpose and to stare at the wall and go, what's next Mm -hmm. to waking up every day. And I cannot wait to get out of bed. now. (laughs) I'm like, what's next Lord. And ask anybody who's around me. They're like, your life is so exciting. (laughs) I'm like, it is. God Mm -hmm. is so good. And he wants that for everybody. So if you've been through this type of abuse, you've had this, then I want you to find your inner healing too, and to be able to find your voice. And God does have incredible plans for you. Yeah.
2: So what's the first step for them?
3: To tell somebody, to voice it, yeah, mm-hmm. to share.
2: And perhaps find a church?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And how? tell us about the Untethered Ministries, because they may need your help. Yeah, Untethered Ministries is in San Antonio, Texas. We create pathways to freedom for women and children who have been sexually abused, exploited, or trafficked. And we have a care line, and. um you can call the Caroline and reach out for help or reach out and just tell us your story. We're a trusted person for that as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, UntetheredMinistries.org is where you can find us as well and send us an email. Is the care line
2: on that yes, website? Can yes. you share the it's care line on, with it's us? It's 210-517-8256. So, listeners, if you know someone or if you are someone that needs help, that's the number to call. Yes. Mm-hmm. 210-517-8256. It takes a village.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and within that organization, you have a kind of a an advocacy program called NSA Girls, mm-hmm. which stands for No Strings Attached. It's an intervention and advocacy Advocate. I'm sorry, I can't say that word, <laughs> advocacy sorry. program um, for girls. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that.
3: So once a month, we walk into our local strip clubs and into mm-hmm. illicit massage businesses, and we reach out to the women that are working in that environment into their workplace and let them know that we have services for them. If um, they want to, you know, find other job opportunities that we have those, we have partners that can work with them on that. But Our biggest thing is building community and helping them find their true identity because Mm -hmm. I believe that they are in a place that they were never meant to be, Mm -hmm. and they're only there because of exactly what they've been through, very similar to my story. You know, they've been sexually abused. Um, They've been beaten down. They've come from domestic violence and all of that. So um, we visit those places, and we go into very, very dark places in Mm -hmm. San Antonio, and we we bring the light every time. We walk in there and it's just the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And to go back and meet women that I can self-identify with and see my old self, you know, mm-hmm. and look them in the eye and go. And God has a prophetic gift in me as well. And I can see what their future and what they're really called to do in their lives. So it's beautiful to watch women walk out of the darkness, literally go have coffee with us within 24 hours and then help them walk through their destiny and their lives. Well, and I know this cycle of shame,
1: Lisa, um, y- you know, for a lot of women especially, they just go, well, there's nothing else there. I can't do anything else. I've been told I can't. So I, I just, I-, I don't know. I mean, what-, what else is there really out there? Am I-, am I worthy? And I think you bring them a voice that says you are worthy. Mm-hmm. You can do this. You are, you are built for so much more. God has something amazing in store for you. Let's go talk about that.
3: That's right. Yep. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And it, it does take somebody else coming into your environment that can speak life instead mm. of death yes. in that
2: situation. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. So basically you embrace all just like Jesus did. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love that story because... Um, it would be easy to stand outside and say, "Sinners repent," mm. uh, instead of going inside and relating and embracing and listening. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
0: uh, it's amazing how different the light of Christ versus the condemnation of the law is. Right. And I think that we want to be the light of Christ. Friends, uh, we're just so pleased and so grateful for Lisa Michelle sharing her story so openly, and thank you so much to you for sticking with us and hearing this story. There's more to share. We have one segment left. We're gonna go and hear a word from our sponsors. There are good friends who keep Love Talk on the air and have kept Love Talk on the air for thirty-seven years. You're gonna hear a word from them. They are our friends. You'll want to make them your friends too. And you're going to want to stay with us for more with Lisa Michelle, an unlikely warrior, on Love Talk, right after this.
1: And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk. You found the love ladies here, Coach Carrie Brinkader, Kathy Indebrock, and Marlene McMichael, in studio today with Lisa Michelle, the beautiful, courageous, amazing author of Unlikely Warrior, friends. Uh, I would encourage you if you've missed our segment or if you'd like to go back and um, hear any of our past programs, especially the ones on shedding the stigma of shame. They really correlate with today's program, um, and you can find that on Love Talk Network. Uh, just hit hit the interwebs there, friends, and go to Love Talk Network, and you will find all of our past programs. Lisa Michelle, um, your story. Um you know, it, it puts a, a catch in my throat and a, it, it almost feels like a gut punch. Um, what you had to endure as a child. Um, but, oh, what the Father has done with your life. You know, I'm, I'm brought back to the scriptures in Psalm, Psalm 51 of David and how he's crying out to the Lord and he's confessing his sins and he says, Lord, I will absolutely, I will help others and I will bring them to you, right? And that's what you're doing with your story that's so filled with pain, but yet you are stepping into other people's lives and showing them the face of the father. Now, we've heard a little bit about your mom and we've heard a little bit about your dad and, and uh, your fa- your your biological father who was an abuser for you for many, many
3: years, but there seems to be a story of redemption there. Would you like to share that? Sure. When I was 18 years old, I was on the phone with my dad, and he said something really inappropriate to me. And it was the second time that I found my voice. And I didn't know what boundaries were back then. But I I just remember blurting out, fathers do not talk to their daughters that way. Mm. And I remember... Just going, oh, oh, I'm in for it. Here, I did it again. I spoke up. And he was very silent on the other end, and then he unleashed every demon inside of him, and he started Mm -hmm. to call me every name in the book. Mm -hmm. And he was so foul and so mean to me, verbally abusing me. And I remember taking the phone away from my ear, and I just sat it down, and I hung up on him, and I made a vow with myself in that very moment. I will never speak to him again. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. So many long years go by and I get married and we have our son and I'm sitting at home. And um, this is, you know, like I was sharing before, I went through inner healing. I learned the process of forgiveness and Mm -hmm. I had learned how to forgive my father in my head Mm -hmm. You know, and I knew what forgiveness was, and I forgave him, but I was still not speaking to him or allowing him into my life at all. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I got a phone call, and it was an ICU nurse, and she said, Lisa, are you Dan's daughter? And I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't know how to tell you this, but your dad is in a coma, and he's not going to make it through the night. How far away are you? And... I just remember in that very moment, I felt like the forgiveness went from my head right into my heart mm-hmm. and I could feel God's heartbeat inside of mine. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not going to get a chance to say goodbye to my dad. I'm not going to have reconciliation with him. He's going to go before I ever get to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And so I said, will you do me a favor? I composed myself because I was a hot mess. And mm-hmm. I just said, will you do me a favor and put the phone up to his ear? And she said, okay, and she did that. And I said, Dad, this is Lisa, and I want you to know that I love you and that Mom and I are on our way. We'll be right there, okay? You stay strong, and you wait for us. We'll be right there, Dad. And that's what we did. We got in the car, and we drove four and a half hours so fast up to that hospital. And we walked into that room, and I saw my dad with tubes sticking out of him and a machine breathing for him. And for the first time in my life, I saw my abuser helpless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I felt safe to be with him. My mom grabbed one hand. I grabbed the other. And we started to caress him and pray over him and invite Jesus into the room. And it was the most beautiful moment Mm -hmm. ever with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord. We prayed over him all night. And the nurse actually told me, go ahead and go lay your head down and get some rest. I'll call you if anything happens. And so... I no longer did. I lay my head down on that pillow at the motel, and my phone rang. And it was the nurse, and she said, Lisa, you need to get back over here. You're never going to believe what just happened. Your father's out of the coma, and the very first words out of his mouth were, where's Lisa? Mm. Wow. He heard us praying over him, speaking into his ears, speaking life over him, bringing him back from the dead. It was truly amazing. When my dad saw my mom and me, the two people that he abused the most Mm -hmm. sitting in that room when he woke up out of that coma, it broke him. And he literally could feel the tangible love of God in that room and grace. It was just Mm -hmm. the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced, you guys, That was only because I was so filled with God's love. I was immersed in the Lord that I was able to do that. I couldn't have done that on my own Mm -hmm. and walked in there like that. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow.
2: Oh, my. God is good. (laughs) Oh, I. I He gives us the desires of our heart even we didn't know that we wanted that. That's right. I mean, and you were closed off to him, and yet he gave you back your father. That's right. Your earthly father. Yeah. And your heavenly father. That's so
3: right. And, you know, can I share that my dad was in the hospital for two years after that because what happened was he tried to kill himself. He surrounded himself with vodka bottles. Big, huge, gallon-sized vodka bottles, and sat in his recliner and decided that he was going to drink all of them until he passed away. And then one day an old friend walked in, and she found him in this condition, and that's when I got the phone call. So here he was, just done, all by himself, alone, hated himself and his life. He ended up being in that hospital, though, for those two years because he had a wound in his rear end from sitting in his feces for those ten days.
0: Oh. Wow.
3: And he ended up having that wound for about five years before he ended up passing away in 2020 from COVID.
0: Wow. Oh, wow. wow.
3: Wow! Now, did you
1: continue um, a relationship with him over those five years?
3: I spent the last three years with my dad. I flew back to California on a constant basis, went to his nursing home. I love my dad. Probably more than I've ever loved anybody. I did everything I could think of to show him the love of God and to just make mm-hmm. sure that he knew that he had a daughter that loved him unconditionally. Was he still hard to get along with? Was he cantankerous? Yeah, <laughs> Right. But mm-hmm. God wanted me. I was obedient to what God was calling mm-hmm. me to do. And I'm so thankful because today I live with no regrets. hmm And I know my dad's in heaven and he's waiting for me. And that is truly a miracle coming from my family. That is truly
0: a miracle.
2: Mm -hmm. It is.
0: Yeah, that is. It
2: is.
3: Wow. Now, um, Lisa, I'd
1: love for you to tell our listening friends again how they can get in contact with you. Um, Before this program, we we prayed that victims in our listening area would happen upon our our program today or maybe on our archives um, or maybe um, somewhere where we're on a podcast um, and that they would hear your message of hope. We believe God has answered that prayer and we we want them to to know how to contact you. LisaMichelle.org. Very easy. Very very easy. LisaMichelle.org. All right. Excellent.
0: And again, that line is, um, that Untethered Ministries in San Antonio, Caroline is 210-517-8256. Now, we just uh, have a few short minutes before the close of this last segment. And Marlene, I know that there was a favorite quote that you Mm -hmm. had from unlikely warrior from lisa's book would you share that with us and i think there's a special poem yes
2: i heard lisa on a i guess it was a podcast it was a video that i think is on your website and um the quote i've already Mm -hmm. mentioned it's it's fear cannot live in the same room with freedom they Mm -hmm. cannot coexist once you taste freedom Fear has to vacate the property, mm-hmm. but it, you were talking about all of this fear. All this this entire program talked about how your life was basically one of fear. Yes, and now you're free. Yeah, and so, you, but your goal and your mission, your ministry, is to make sure that other women, other children, live fear free. That's right. In freedom. Yeah. So I I heard you recite a poem that you wrote would you recite it now and close us out in that way because i thought it was just gorgeous
3: you got it okay can you see me standing in the dark and hanging out at the park or on my cheer team thinking that i'm living the dream i walked right by you at the mall right before my call to be raped by men who thought it'd be good to exploit my body again can you see me No one knows my name, just that I'm in the game, a game I didn't choose, but that's not what others presume. Can you see me? Mm -hmm. Now I'm in juvie taking the toll for my boyfriend's role, and when I get out, it's time to grind and live a life that was never mine. Can you see me? My dream is one day she and he will be seen, heard, and valued, not labeled, mistreated, and given up on.
2: Amen well. And what I will say is that over and over in the book, Lisa said, people saw her scars and they knew what was happening and didn't say anything so our next program and and I'm very excited about that next week's program is going to be someone from the Williamson county children's Advocacy Center to tell us what are the signs, mm-hmm. so we can see those little boys and those little girls that are in trauma. Mm
0: -hmm. So, friends, we know that this is out there. Yes, it is in Texas. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is in Georgetown and Round Rock and Pflugerville and Austin, Texas. Do you want to be a part of helping these men and women, these young men and women, get out of this abuse. We hope you will join us for next week's program and we hope that you've had your eyes open, your heart touched Mm -hmm. with this week's program that you understand that this if you are in abuse this is not where you have to live. This is Mm -hmm. not who you are. That there is a beautiful big life that God has for you and there are steps that you can take towards healing. Friends we love you. It has been just a joy to spend this Mm -hmm. Saturday morning with you and we look forward to, to being with you again every saturday at 10 a.m i'm kathy Enderbrock and for coach carrie brinkader and marlene mcmichael we'll look forward to being with you again next saturday at 10 a.m on love talk